This is WTMJ Nights. Now, here's your host, Steve Jagler. Hello. Good job, Wyatt. Uh, my name is Steve Jagler, and uh, I've been wanting to uh, be a, a radio guy for a long time. And this is a bucket list kind of thing for me. Um, but I, I was told that before I, I get to introduce some of the fascinating guests we have lined up, that I should spend a few minutes uh, just introducing myself to the audience on my backstory and letting you know who I am. Uh, you may re recognize the name. Uh, I was a journalist, a working journalist, in mostly in Milwaukee for three decades, uh, most recently as the business editor and C-level columnist at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Um, so I've been a journalist uh, for a long time, and but th this radio gig is is something completely new. I've been a I've been a guest on radio programs a thousand times, but never the host on the biggest stick in the state. So I'm humbled by this opportunity, and uh, I hope that you'll you'll allow me a, <laughs> some, a learning curve here as I get comfortable in this new role. Um, I want to begin by with the premise that. Uh, I've learned in the last couple of years, especially that, uh, as they say, Milwaukee is small walkie. Everybody knows everybody or knows somebody who knows everybody. And uh, I've found that more and more to be true in, in recent years. It's, it's like Mayberry. But I'm very respectful of the community that WTMJ has and the relationship it has with its listeners. And so I want to acknowledge, if some of you recognize the last name, that indeed I am the older brother. Uh, my kid brother, John, was a co-host of Wisconsin Morning News for many years and uh, was a partner in crime with Gene Miller. And so, yes, if the name sounds familiar, I am from that family, and I'm his better-looking, smarter, older brother. <laughs> And he'll probably be the first guy to call in now. Um, so uh, I want to thank Mike Spaulding for inviting me in this new gig. And uh, and uh, hopefully I won't let him down. Um, so I grew up in Oak Creek. Uh, and I actually live there now. That wasn't always the plan. But um, my Backstory of my bio begins with my family and my wife, Christy, and my two sons, Justin and James, are grown and are successful in their own right. And uh, uh, Justin even has two gr daughters now. And so I'm an, uh, a newly minted grandfather. And what a what an opportunity, what a, what a blessing that is. And uh, that, that's worth the whole show on another time. But uh, I, I, I'm a graduate of UWM, so I'm a Panther, a MASCOM major. Um, um, but my career has been in print media, and it's taking a, a, a new direction, and we can get into that later. Um, but uh, so I have ink-stained hands, and... That's my uh, default setting is as a journalist. I taught journalism for uh, at UWM for a few years. And what I always told my students was my definition of journalism. That was always my final exam. They had to memorize my definition of journalism, which is the honest pursuit of the truth. And I believe that still is a profound definition and a beacon that needs to be adhered to and aspired to uh, across the mediums, uh, broadcast, print, and online. So um, that's my North Star, always was my North Star as a journalist, and uh, it, it always uh, always guided me in a, in a direction that uh, took me where I needed to go and took my readers and in this case, now listeners, uh, where they, they need to go. So uh, feel free to, to call in or text on the talk and text line. Uh, 
Um, that's 855-616-1620. Um, we can make this a conversation. And I've got some fascinating guests lined up for later in the show. Um, so uh, I, I much rather would enjoy a conversation with uh, the folks out there rather than uh, just hearing my own voice speak all night. Um, as as Wyatt mentioned, we've got some weather to keep our eyes on. So uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity, and I look forward to learning more about this gig and, and, and uh, having some fascinating conversations on the air. And now we'll take a break on TMJ Nights. The night is still young. More of WTMJ Nights coming up next. Hello, and welcome back. Um, the first subject that I want to explore in this new gig is the concept of servant leadership. It's a concept that's near and dear to me. And uh, I, having interviewed so many business and uh, nonprofit and community leaders over the years, uh, one thing that became obvious to me was the best of them all were proponents of the concept of servant leadership. And I have a personal uh, claim to, to the concept. I was appointed as an editor uh, at the ripe old age of 30 uh, long ago, uh, suddenly supervising a, um, a team of journalists, most of whom were older than me, and I didn't know a thing about leading uh, other people, much less uh, holding them accountable. And so instinctively... I, I sought the wisdom of my father, who similarly had been promoted early in his career to a leadership position. And he told me something that, looking back on it, was so profound, but it, I think it still holds true today. He, he told me, leadership is simple, but it's not easy. And, I, of course, how can that be? <laughs> um, but he said, the concept is simple in that you surround yourself with the best and brightest people you can, and then you do everything in your power to help them fly. You serve them. Never forget that. And he said, but it's not, it's not easy. It's a simple concept, but it's not easy to execute on a daily basis. And so you, you need to walk the walk, and you need to remember always that your your role is to serve them, not the other way around, even if they report to you and I'm doing their, their, their performance reviews. I don't succeed if they don't succeed. And so my job is to do everything I can to help them fly. And I have talked to so many servant leaders over the years, and it, it never fails. They're always the smartest, uh, most capable, and inspiring people in the community. Um, Mike uh, Spalding, uh, does that ring that concept ring true with you? Yeah, it definitely does. And, and I think those words, servant leadership, are often easily said, but not easily acted upon. Um, you know, the ultimate selflessness, when I think of servant leadership, I think of my brain immediately as a reporter myself goes to what like the the idea of our political uh world is like we you would think we would we would elect people who are servant leaders right they're they're going to be there for you they're there to represent you and help you out but i've also come across that instinct in in the my life here at good karma brands and in radio in general and it is so rare to be able to find a leader who's not only willing to step up and and lead but also help bring you along with it and that's kind of i think what you're talking about right that idea of a rising tide lifts all boats easy to say but i think kind of difficult to do right the, the servant leader has to have a, a keen sense of self-awareness and to know how his or her actions and behaviors and and their tendencies affect other people and that's a that's an acquired skill that take, usually takes time um, but 
the servant leader needs to share the spotlight and the credit with those who are on his or her staff and uh and give and give that credit where it's due and and uh it, it's a concept like i said my late father explained that to me early on and it has never served me wrong um i i, I imagine here at tmj that there, there are servant leaders that are 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 leading the the way leading leading the station where it needs to go as it serves its listeners do you find a place yeah, I, I think it is important. I think it's important to have it in a front-facing company. You're a front-facing guy for a long time. I know you didn't delve into your background entirely uh, in your what your new role is, but at the Journal Sentinel, you know the words that you write go in front of you know thousands of people. Everyone read it every day. I think it's important to kind of set that example. You, I liked how you laid out your north star of media a little bit earlier about uh, you know the the ultimate seeking of truth, and that's it. I, I think that's a really important. I guess distinction to have because you're you're putting in the hours, you're putting in the work in an effort to help, you know, other people either find the truth or, or be a better version of themselves. So yeah, I, I do think that, you know, there are people here, obviously you don't get to where you're going to be in radio or any other career without having people who inspire you. And and on that too, Steve, we don't you know, I don't like to look at people as managers, for example. I like to look at mm -hmm. them as leaders and we have a, a mantra kind of here at Good Karma Brands about you know, being a manager is one thing. I sign a time card, you know, but like the other 99% of what your role is, is leading and, and trying to make other people better. And that's something I put a high priority on and, and hope to, to live up to that standard. But I know that, you know, other people in this organization do as well. Yeah, you're so right. And setting a good example is is a big part of it, too. And, and creating a, a climate where a work a workplace climate where people feel empowered and and to speak their truths. Well, I think it goes beyond the workplace too. When you're talking about servant leadership out in the public, kind of showing people a better way. Again, I don't know if that's the right phrase that that you would use, showing people a better way. But when I think of that, I think of setting an example for whomever you are coming into contact with and. Uh, I think it goes beyond just the, the walls of our workplace. It could be kids. It could be a spouse. It could be, your, you know, you, your parents. You talked about being a young editor and working with reporters older than you. Um, but I think it, it, it kind of goes in all those directions, and it's important just way to live more than it is stepping into a role, I think. Absolutely. Uh, we're uh, – the next segment, in fact, uh, we're going to drill down a little deeper on this. Uh, the first guest on my – program that I wanted to invite uh, when I found out I was actually going to do this. It was a no-brainer for me. Uh, Richard Dick Peeper is is uh, the ultimate servant leader of Milwaukee. He's been an evangelist for the concept for many, many years. He's been a personal mentor for me in so many ways over the years, and he's somebody whose wisdom needs to be shared and, and repeated uh, across the community because he is the ultimate servant leader. What are some examples that you've had in your in your time? I know you mentioned Richard here, but you know, thinking back upon it, people have made you a better person, who have made you be able to improve and, and I guess learned this kind of into you. Well the best leaders that that I have interviewed and worked with over the years are people who uh, empower their people to grow within their roles and to expand their value to the organization that they serve. Um, they're, they're, they're not trying to keep them down or keep them in, in, in place or, or put a limit on their skills. They're people who inspire growth. Hey, Steve, real quick, I want to jump in and give a quick weather update. We do have a severe thunderstorm warning for Milwaukee County and Waukesha County. It is going to be in effect for about another 20 minutes or so. Just seeing some video right now from the Franklin area. It's very foggy, very windy, and very rainy. I know why it'll get into it in the news here on the other side, but I just wanted to provide a quick update. We are seeing the storm roll through right now. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. Hello, this is Steve Jagler on WTMJ Nights. Welcome back. Um, our, ne 
Our next guest, our first guest, really, is uh, you can't talk about the subject of servant leadership in Milwaukee without talking to and about uh, our next guest, Richard Dick Pieper. He's, he is Wisconsin's most boisterous evangelist uh, for servant leadership. He's the non-executive chairman of Milwaukee-based PPC Partners, Inc., and has served as chairman of the Greenleaf Center for Servant Leadership. He has been organizing events to celebrate and, and promote the concept to other business people for many years. And as a servant leader, I can tell you firsthand, I've seen him in action, and and Dick walks the walk. Um, you, I'm sure if you've driven by any construction site over the last 20, 30 years, you've noticed Peeper Electric and Peeper Power uh, trucks on the site. And uh, uh, Dick, although he is uh, the retired chairman, uh, is he, he he built an incredible company, and uh, now he's sharing that wisdom as an evangelist for servant leadership. Uh, Dick, uh, it's an honor to introduce you to our audience tonight. I'm delighted to be here, Steve. Uh, fire away with your questions, or tell me how I should operate. <laughs> uh, let's just pretend we're at a coffee shop like we've met uh a hundred times before, and and try to as best to recreate the best of those conversations. I've always uh, walked away smarter uh, having talked to you. Can you uh, tell us? Well, you... given 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 us given us that, Steve, uh, <laughs> how are you doing, and uh, what are you experiencing personally, and uh, you know what's your greatest challenge? Uh, you're listening to it. <laughs> It's it, it's more instinctive and easy for me to write the truth than to, to speak it. I'm finding that out quickly tonight, but uh, I think I'll get better with time. But uh, well, your, your your intent is the greater good, I think, uh, and that would be a, a tenant of servant leadership. Uh, they they call the best test. This is written by Robert Greenleaf lots of years ago, mm-hmm. who was a uh, Worked at AT&T, started from the bottom up. He uh, graduated from a school in this area, and he said, where can I do the best good? And the, and the professor told him, go to work for one of these big companies and see what you can do to make them human. And so he went to work for AT&T, ended up being the director of development in internal uh, kind of things uh, with 400 PhDs that did nothing but uh, analyze the motivation of people and effective organizations, effective groups. Uh, and uh, he, after that, he, he retired early in life uh, and spent the rest of his life writing what he had learned. And his best test goes this way. Do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants? And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? Will they benefit, or at least will they not be further deprived? That is the best test. And so everything we do uh, is in, it, it's unique in any other style of uh, management in that it focuses on the development of the people, your peers, your friends, your neighbors. Uh, and you do that primarily by listening. When I interviewed you about the the subject uh, a few years ago it, for my column, my sea level column at the Journal Sentinel, um, you outlined uh, some of the most important pillars of servant leadership, and you said it began. Your words were radical integrity in all they do. Uh, can you speak to yeah, that? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, integrity is something that we are working on in our society. I would. Uh, say say that very nicely. Uh, it's needed. It's always been needed. But you cannot function with other people unless there's trust. And if you are a person of integrity, you stay on the high ground, good or bad stuff, you're always there. People can count on it. That's that's the breakfast of trans, of, 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 uh, of leaders, trust. 
Breakfast of Champions, trust, mutual respect, and that allows everything to work. Um, understood. Uh, you also told me then that the universe is connected for most, most only through the unrelenting passion to collaborate with them all. Only then can we connect the best in all and learn and grow together. So collaboration is a key component. We're all connected, whether we want to be or not. And if we do it uh, in a symbolic or a, a way that is respectful of each other, that automatically creates the partnerships. I mean, nature is connected. The universe is connected. We start off with little things we can't even see, and we go to live with bigger things which we can't see, and then we come up with atoms which we can't see, and then matter, and we end up with some molecules we can see. And, and it goes on into into the universe. It's all connected. Um, pretty cosmic uh, <laughs> realization there. I'm curious in in your all your travels and the people you've met. Are there any red flags where that would you witness a, a behavior or or something that a leader is doing or uh, that? gives you reason to pause and say this person needs some enlightenment or needs your help? Well, that would trigger some experiences I've had uh, walking down the street and some parents who are probably not in good condition are screaming and hollering at a child and dragging it along the street. Absolutely, this child is melting. Never forget it, probably. And I never stopped but I went up, not looking at the adults. I went to the child, keep on walking. And I said, what a lovely young lady you are. Your parents must be so proud of you. And I'd say it with just the way I said it now, and keep walking, and the whole thing shuts down. Um, I can't go by that kind of thing that, that I don't do something. But I never stop, never look at the parents or adults, and keep walking. What a great observation. Uh, Dick, if you can stay on the line, we'll come back and, and, and wrap up this conversation. Uh, thanks again for being so generous of your time and your wisdom. Uh, you're listening to TMJ Nights. Hello again. This is Steve Jagler. You are listening to WTMJ Nights on 620 WTMJ. Uh, we're talking today with the ultimate servant leader, uh, the biggest proponent of servant leadership that I know of in the city of Milwaukee, uh, Dick Peeper. Dick, welcome back. Thank you. Steve, you know, there's something that we haven't talked about, and that is what's going on in Wisconsin and Milwaukee. There's five meetings a month in Milwaukee roundtables. Uh, there's a, something called the Wisconsin Servant Leadership, and there's a website. There's over 200 videos and stories of people in Wisconsin on that website and all kinds of information. Uh, there's 3,000 people that are interested in this subject and are on our e-list. Uh, we've asked a bunch of them, um, you know, if you're not interested, go away. <laughs> and almost nobody went away. 50 out of 3,000 went away with that invitation. So they are genuinely interested. Well, I've been uh, at some of your meetings, and I've seen the, the interest and the impact uh, that your your conferences have had on people. And uh, speaking of walking the walk, I'm going to try to uh, contribute to the, the overall good of, uh, of what you're talking about. And my company is launching its own servant leadership uh, project called the Jagler Executive Servant Leadership Project. And it will be formally announced next week. Um, and the media partner that is uh, going to help me uh, spread the word about this project is on Milwaukee.com. But uh, um, we're going to try a project where uh, I'm going to ask, I I've assembled uh, about 30 attributes of the ultimate servant leader. And in this project, I'm going to ask enlightened executives to pick out the six qualities that mean the most to them. 
the great um, late great American poet Maya Angelou said, and I'll paraphrase her, but she said essentially that the people you meet, they might forget what you said, they might forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And that's Absolutely. the uh, that's the essence of my project Dick, that uh, I'm I'm launching. Terrific. And uh, my hope is that these leaders that agree to go through the, the, the project, that it helps them identify their North Stars for how they want to lead their organization. And uh, what are the six, the five things that when they leave the room, they want people to remember about them? Um, I'd, I'd, I'd like your input, Dick. Does this project have a chance to move the needle oh i think so everybody would be interested in what these folks have to say and compare it to what they're thinking and it's going to influence their thinking without a doubt that would be my take on it yeah i I think it will also by sharing these with each other it'll initiate conversations that we wouldn't otherwise have among the leaders in our community absolutely absolutely wisconsin's a leader in the in the country, and the country is a leader in the world who is serving leadership. You know, you, what's missing between countries? What's missing in Africa right now with those two generals that were together and now they're not together? They're not listening to each other at all. They got their own ideas. And what happens in a family when it starts getting confusing? They're not listening to each other. They're iterating, you know, their thoughts. So listening is ultimately where things begin. And from that, you can develop empathy and empathy possibly with insight. And from there, you can change the world. And it's one person at a time. And there's, I have lots of people that I mentor. I really don't say no to anybody as long as they're not uh, trying to uh, have a different agenda than what appears to be. Well, you've never... Go most ahead, people Dick. are interested. Most people are interested uh, in in growing. All you got to do is listen, ask them some questions. Why do you think that way? With no intent, just listen um, to seek understanding, and you'll learn a lot. Um, words of wisdom, as always, from Dick Peeper. Again, we're talking about the concept of servant leadership. Uh, Dick, can you recall? Do you recall a moment where? You became fully aware of the concept and its merits. Was it was it more something that you developed over time? I'm sure, but was there ever a moment where the light bulb really went on for you, where you said that is something you need to explore? Well, what actually happened with servant leadership is when I, I took my, took over the company with my dad. Uh, with three employees, I said, I'm going to build this company and so you can take a vacation. It took me 20 years to find out he didn't need a vacation. He loved what he did. But uh, he was a three-man shop. And if there was money in the bank, everything was good. That was the way he measured things. Uh, and I told him what I had in mind, and I wanted to build an example of a company that was run with a high level of ethics, integrity, and very innovative and would set the pace because I saw the industry, not, uh, not a typical industry, not a bad industry, just uh, comfortable and maybe a little sloppy. So I started off that way. And after about, I said, eight years or something, somebody sent me a book and it was called Servant Leadership by Robert Greenleaf. And they said, Dick, you should read this. So I read it and I said, that's exactly what, what we're trying to do, I believe. So I handed it out to some senior people I had then. You could call them managers or supervisors. And I said, what do you think? And we all agreed. Yep. That's what we're trying to do. And in many cases, that is what we're doing. And uh, it was just a lovely, lovely, heavenly place to work. Uh, People would come. Uh, There's plenty of examples of that in Wisconsin as well. Uh, There's in, in the retail area, Quick Trip. Uh, in universities, MSOE, Wisconsin Lutheran, um, in nonprofits, uh, LSS, and uh, Beyond Vision uh, are all outstanding examples with leaders 
that lead by lifting the capacity of their people. Where would you want your children to be? Um, again, we're talking to Dick Peeper, a proponent of servant leadership. Um, Dick, uh, your your company, uh, going back to walking the walk, uh, I understand your company contributes 10% of its profits back to charities in the communities you serve. Right on target, yes. They continue to do that today. Uh, it's always been that way, before tax. Okay. And we we say no to no one as long as they're a legitimate organization. And there's some simple things to prove that. And as long as that's there, we say yes. The big yeses are where our employees are involved. Uh, servant leadership is an important concept for nonprofit organizations, too, isn't it? It sure is. Uh, Beyond Vision is uh, there. LSS is outstanding. Same thing. MSOE, uh, those are all very visible, understood uh, examples. MSOE, you go in, they call it the um, Create Institute. One leg is teaching you how to think entrepreneurially. The other leg is servant leadership. And everybody that comes in the school goes through an orientation program in that regard. Every professor, every student. Uh, and they've been working on this for probably uh, 15 years. And they're they're trunking along very well. LSS uh, has always been a servant, but their leader is particularly uh, enthusiastic about servant leadership as is beyond vision. But it, it applies to government as well. There's no segment where there's people that it doesn't apply. Well, Dick, you certainly have walked the walk uh, in your own life and in your professional roles, and uh, you continue to do so. Um, I'm glad that we could share one of these conversations uh, with everybody else. And uh, thanks again for being so gracious with your time. I'm honored to, to be of service. Fun. Great place to live. All right, Dip. Dick Peeper, thanks again, and uh, Godspeed, and uh, keep fighting the good fight. You're listening to WTMJ Nights on 620 WTMJ. This is WTMJ Nights. Now, here's your host, Steve Jagler. All right, welcome back. Uh, Thank you, Wyatt. And uh, we're going to switch gears now and move on to another subject that's uh, near and dear to my heart. It's the subject of racial racial relations in the United States. Um, I want to recount some personal memories uh, as a kid, uh, a young kid. My among my earliest memories were Henry Aaron hitting a home run for the old Milwaukee Braves, uh, prompting Chief Nakahoma to do a dance, of course. But uh, beyond my fa- my own father. Henry Aaron became my first boyhood hero, and at a time uh, before I understood fully the racial dynamics that were in play in in the United States in the 1960s and would only uh, erupt into uh, additional chaos and changes and, 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 and a lot of progress as well in, in our society. Um, I want. I, I had our producer Justin uh, find a soundbite, a clip of uh, the late uh, great uh, Dodgers broadcaster Vin Scully announcing the home run when Henry Aaron broke the record. It's one of the greatest home run calls, a historic home run call, uh, and and I, I think it would set the, the this next uh, topic up uh, for context. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone.
for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. It seems like yesterday. Um, what a historic moment indeed, and, and that clip still gives me shivers. Um, but it, it was through the Henry, Henry Aaron's experience and what he underwent that I really became fully aware of the racial divides and challenges that America was going through and continues to go through. I, I was fortunate enough to meet him several times later on as a, a teenager and got his autograph uh, several times. He was always so gracious every time and uh, even interviewed him as an adult a, a couple of times. And uh, the man was grace. That's the one word. Grace and class are the two words that that I think of when I think of Henry Aaron. Uh, aside from his gifts as a a baseball player and an athlete, but he was a, a servant leader, a civic leader in so many ways. And I'm I'm proud to say that I I, I did a good job picking out my childhood heroes, and that sets us up for. A discussion with our next guest. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna interview Dr. Eve Hall, uh, a good friend and somebody who's on the front lines in so many ways in Milwaukee as a leader. And uh, we're gonna talk to Dr. Eve next. Uh, I'm Steve Jagler, and you're listening to WTMJ Nights on 620 WTMJ. Hello, I'm Steve Jagler. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. And uh, before I bring on our next guest, I want to make note of uh, what I think is a rather historic moment in time in, in Milwaukee, uh, uh, where African Americans are stepping up to lead Milwaukee in, in important positions of leadership. We have Gwen Moore, an African American in, in Congress. Uh, Chevy Cavalier Johnson is the mayor. The county executive is David Crowley. The police chief is Chief Jeffrey Norman. And the Milwaukee Sheriff's Department is led by Sheriff Danita Ball. A generation ago, it would have seemed un unimaginable that, uh, that across the board, Milwaukee's most important leaders were African-American leaders. And uh, so there is progress but there still is much work to do. And for that, I would like to introduce our next guest, Dr. Eve Hall. Dr. Eve, welcome. Okay. Hi. Um, as I mentioned, this, is, this leadership snapshot is not to say that, that, that everything is fine and, and there isn't work to do. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, you know, first of all, thank you for inviting me this evening. As the president of the Greater Milwaukee Urban League, we represent really the history of this country in terms of progress and leadership, economic advancement, you know, social justice, civic engagement. And I know I am proud to see so much African-American leadership in key roles. Um, but I do not want us to negate the fact that even though many of us may be in leadership, it is still so important that we are collaborating across race against uh, um, gender, you know, spiritual beliefs, etc. because in order for us to continue to advance and, quite frankly, still address the issues of systemic racism and just biases on, on many different levels, we will have to work together. So the danger sometimes when we take on the mantle is that, oh, 
So we're now in these roles and we can solve the issues that have taken place um, over decades when the reality is we are here, um, you know, on assignment, snapshot of time. However, we still have to work just as um, intensely with others as we address the issues of race. Amen to that, Dr. Eve. And I could go back to the Henry Aaron story, which in, in some ways is still being told in that there's an effort, as you know, uh, in some states down south uh, to uh, take to not teach black history so as not to make some people uh, feel the word they use is discomforted. So it's it. It's still a challenge. It still is a, a fight that needs to be fought and, uh, in, in, in new ways, isn't it? It is. And this is really a new fight. I really did not expect to see a conversation around whether or not history, especially the history of African Americans in this country, um, should not be taught because we have been the fabric of how this country has grown and advance, especially economically, uh, off of our backs. And at the same time, uh, you know, we transitioned into a period where we were and are considered full citizens, and it was through the efforts, again, of whites and blacks coming together to make this more of a just country. And while, yes, there are parts of history, of all history, that, can be uncomfortable and disappointing, but it's a it's a part of the growth. It's a part of who we are as, as a country. And why not, while we celebrate all of the great things that are occurring, to still remember the price that was paid by so many in our country to, you know, bring us to where we are today. Even though we still have challenges, we are still so much farther ahead than we were years ago. Uh, so true. Uh, it, for our listeners, as background, Dr. Eve, is, Eve Hall is what is busy as any person I've ever met in my life these days. I, I, I marvel at the timestamps of her text messages or, or emails to me. They can be early, early in the morning. They can be late at night, and I wonder how... She does it all. It seems like everybody wants a piece of Dr. Eve's attention on so many levels. So I applaud you for for your energy and your stamina as well as your vision. Thank you. Uh, um, let's talk about the Greater Milwaukee Urban League. I, I saw the other day uh, a notice uh, that you're giving uh, uh, scholarships and laptops to applicants in the community, uh, I presume to address the digital divide that exists in just some urban parts of, of the city. Uh, can you tell us about that program to start with, and then we can you can give us an idea of what else is high on your agenda for the summer? Oh, sure. So. We're excited about the Laptop Awards. We've been doing this for a number of years now. Um, in fact, when I came on board, laptops were being awarded, but we've just taken it to another level in terms of the applications by students, um, the consideration for grade point averages. So, you know, you don't have to be a straight-A student, but you still do have to be um, a good student um, who shows a commitment to education. We've also broadened it by adding $1,000 scholarships to students as well um, to support their, you know, their books and fees and food, et cetera. So we're excited. This goes out to public choice and charter school students so we do not limit who can receive these laptops the requirement though is you have to be going on to a two or four year institution so you have to have proof of that um you know as we continue to move forward we're looking at um different opportunities during the summer in fact i was just on 
um, a call today about um, creating a digital literacy program this summer that may be focusing on helping students know about artificial intelligence. And so, um, you know, as we look at, as you mentioned earlier, Steve, the digital divide, so oftentimes, um, you know, black and brown students are not always exposed to the advances in technology. Um, they don't always get just that, um, the basic skills that are needed in technology and computer literacy so that they can be successful, not only in college, but even prior to that in high school. COVID really, um, again, amplified the digital divide because when virtual learning became the new normal for children to stay on top of their game in education, it was the students in marginalized communities that did not always have the laptops or the internet or the broadband. And so what happened is the gaps widened even more during COVID. And so we as an organization are looking at different ways that we can address the digital divide. One in just the simple laptop giveaways, you would be surprised at the number of students who are just just so elated and so grateful for the laptop because in today's environment with inflation and things being so expensive, just being awarded a simple laptop can make the difference in whether one um, is prepared or has the tools that they need. So that's our first step and then and we will continue but the other is actually making digital literacy computer literacy um, exposure to technology a part of the programming that we provide uh, keep fighting the good fight and we're going to take a break and we'll be back with more about what the greater milwaukee urban league is doing to fight the good fight um, you're listening to WTMJ Nights on 620 WTMJ. Hello, I'm Steve Jagler, and you're listening to WTMJ Nights on 620 WTMJ. Um, we've been talking uh, in, in the most recent segment here with uh, Dr. Eve Hall, the president and CEO of the Greater Milwaukee Urban League. And uh, one thing I think we should mention is the applications for the laptops and the scholarships that we were speaking about in the last segment, uh, the applications are due by May 3rd. But there are so many other things that Dr. Eve is on the front lines of, and I want to explore those in, in the next segment with Dr. Hall. Um, and she can speak on so with intelligence on so many different subjects, and I want to pick her brain while we've got her. Um, so we will explore that after the break. Um, next up, we're going to throw it to uh, Wyatt and with the latest on the news and, and the weather and all that good stuff, and then we'll be back with Dr. Hall. Hello again, I'm Steve Jagler, and you are listening to WTMJ Nights. Um, I'm talking to the amazing and energetic, and, and uh, she's just such an accomplished person in Milwaukee on so many different levels, uh, Dr. Eve Hall. Uh, Dr. Eve, I wonder if you could uh, let, let br bring us up to date with the, the other priorities for the Greater Milwaukee Urban League this summer. What else are you working on? I know you l recently launched the Entrepreneurship Connection. Uh, we can, did. Yeah, can you tell us about the mission of that program? Yes. Yeah, so that is a partnership actually with Molson Coors. Um, that also includes a number of um, other nonprofit organizations that focus on supporting entrepreneurs. And what we basically do, Steve, is bring entrepreneurs together monthly now. Um, and the purpose of these sessions is to um, inform entrepreneurs on capital. So banks, 
um, CDFIs, um, you know, other sources that are out here to actually support the financial growth um, and sustainability of um, businesses. And we know that there are so many resources that are out here, but oftentimes entrepreneurs are so busy doing their business, they don't have a chance to really research. So that is where we come into play as a convener. Um, when we had our first launch, we actually had 75 entrepreneurs. We had about that same number just this past month. So, um, you know, we will continue to support them in that way. Basically, convener access to information specifically um, in terms of capital. It's so important to provide uh these people the connective tissue to resources that they otherwise would not have. Exactly. And as they grow, what we know is it means jobs. Um, you know, part of our focus as an urban league is around economic vibrancy, um, advancement, and we know that entrepreneurs, and we look at just our country, you know, our country's strength has come from small and medium-sized businesses who have also been able to hire. And so that is a part of our mission, especially to advance, um, you know, entrepreneurs of color um, to have that type of success and then be in a position to not only hire, but to also contribute and give back. One of the many hats that Dr. Hall wears is also as the chair of the Visit Milwaukee Board of Directors. And so she's on the front lines, as I spoke before, on so many different ways of leadership in this community. Uh, Dr. Hall, I wonder if you could tell us um, about the impact of Milwaukee hosting the 2024 uh, Republican National Convention. Well, we now have international and national eyes looking at us. You know, for people who had not really been familiar with Milwaukee, they know us now. And so I um, am very proud to be a part of Visit Milwaukee as their board chair because the work that they're doing is phenomenal in promoting our city. And that's their entire focus is promoting the city so that we can get as many conventions and meetings and conferences into our city as possible. And as we have attendees, you know, they have families. So if they have great experiences, that means they may come back with their families. Um, they may belong to other organizations and companies and be able to recommend our city because really um, we still are somewhat of a best kept secret, although I think the secret is out much more um, with all of the restaurants that we have and the festivals and also the diversity. Um, oftentimes people do not think that there is diversity in Milwaukee um, from afar. They don't they don't see it, and once they come, um, they make note that this is also a diverse city with, you know, great people. We still, of course, have our challenges like other urban um, areas, but um, there's so much, I believe, still more to celebrate here, and there are so many efforts, I believe, um, by this community, public, private efforts to continue to improve our city and, and find solutions to the woes that we still deal with. Um, we're talking with Dr. Eve Hall, who wears many hats of leadership in this community. And uh, one other thing about the uh, Visit Milwaukee uh, role is the recently an, uh, recent announcement of the creation of a theater district. That has a lot of potential to uh, really ad be an advocate for Milwaukee's artistic community, doesn't it? It does. I mean, you know, I don't know if people realize just the number of phenomenal plays um, that we have and performances that come through the city. And we have one of the largest seating capacities, you know, in our district, which is the reason that, you know, there is now this collaboration so that, you know, the districts are really working together and people can see once again 
um, that we are about plays, performing arts, live music, um, entertainment. So this is just another way that we um, promote and market our city as a place to come. And, you know, what I, I believe is I've watched the growth of Visit Milwaukee, um, you know, watched the growth, um, you know, with Peggy's leadership on, on her day-to-day work, is, you know, we can now, we can compete somewhat with Chicago. You know, at one point it was everyone going to Chicago, but, you know, we're starting to see a lot of Chicago coming to Milwaukee. <laughs> so um, we're we're definitely moving in the right direction. Well, thanks so much for your time tonight, Dr. Hall, uh, as always, and keep fighting the good fight. Well, thank you, and I just want to give kudos also to my board if they are out there listening because we have a phenomenal corporate board, Steve, that supports our efforts and a very committed staff as well. Very good. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Hall. Um, We're going to take a break and... uh, Uh, You're listening to WTMJ Nights on 620 WTMJ. Hello, I'm Steve Jagler, and you are listening to WTMJ Nights. Um, So far tonight, we've had a couple of just really dedicated public servants uh, as guests, I'm proud to say uh, uh, Richard Dick Peeper and Dr. Eve Hall. Um, I want to thank them for our discussions on servant leadership and race relations, uh, which takes us to uh, our next subject of of the visit Milwaukee and the impact of tourism and visitors coming to the, the community on our economy. And uh, if there's one thing of value I bring to this new radio gig, it's that I'm providing access to my Rolodex as a business editor. And uh, I've got a deep Rolodex. And for those of you under the age of 50 or so, uh, a Rolodex was something people commonly had on their desktops uh, with index cards on spindles that were alphabetically filed so that people could... (laughs) contact other people uh, by phone or email. It was back when we were cavemen. That's how we communicated with each other. But uh, Dr. Eve, we closed out that last section uh, with a discussion on her role as the chair of the Visit Milwaukee Board of Directors. And now our, our final guest of the night is a good friend from my Rolodex, uh, Meg McKenna. Meg is is the Director of Strategic and Community Partnerships for Visit Milwaukee. Meg, thanks for joining us. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks for taking the time to, to tell our listeners. Um, I just the other day received uh, the Meet the City of Festivals, Milwaukee, the best uh tour guide for visitors coming to Milwaukee, and my wife made the immediate comment that this will be handy. She's going through it as we speak and circling anything in there that we haven't personally experienced or visit, visited for a while. So it's a handy resource, isn't it? Yeah, it's our official visitor's guide, but locals are loving it as well. Um, this is the first year we're doing two different covers. Um, you probably have the, the one that has the cover, that beautiful picture of downtown at night with the night market going yes. on. Um, there is a second cover of um, some um, beautiful young people running along Bradford Beach um, that we are putting out, too. The content is the same on either edition, so for people who pick it up, if you get either cover, the content on the inside will be the same, but... Um, for our uh, visitors, either one is a different sort of inspiration. Uh, thank you, Meg. Uh, so, uh, the uh, Dr. Hall mentioned uh, the impact of Milwaukee hosting the 2024 uh, Republican National Convention. Uh, you were on the inside of uh, the team that landed that. Uh, can you give us some insight as to? What did Milwaukee have going for it in landing that convention? 
Um, well, I mean, obviously, there's the political side of it, which is a, a whole different matter than that is, um, you know, decided in the in the rooms that are discussing the best political move. But I think that, um, you know, we showed definitely we were ready for a, a convention the size of a political convention um, with our having already been selected and prepared for the DNC. So I know that. Um, it was impressive to the selection uh, group that we were pretty turnkey um, and uh, a lot of work would be saved, even though obviously they're going to put their own spin on it. But we uh, had already pulled a, a collaborative team together um, to to make that bid. And we made that very clear in the in the site visits that where we toured people around and the various city leaders and law enforcement, um, you know, because there's always that aspect to any large convention, especially a political one, um, we're able to address the turnkey nature of that too. So then there's obviously our ability to, uh, you know, host and accommodations, wonderful dining scene, um, and the fact that their convention goers are just going to have a great time here. Uh, some people get hung up on the politics of it all. Um, mm -hmm. I guess to some extent, uh, understandably, that they may or may not agree with with the the tenets of the Republican Party of today's Republican Party. But uh, I think from your organization's perspective, you're focused more on the impact of the economic and social impact of hosting a convention of this stature in in our city, aren't you? Yeah, uh, well, we can speak absolutely. Not only do we know how to win a bid, um, and um, we serve at the leadership's quest to go get that, to go and win that bid, which we did. And, you know, as you know, the mayor, um, both Mayor Barrett outgoing and then incoming Mayor Johnson, um, were very bullish on making certain that we get this convention because conventions as a whole are very good for our economy. Um Meg, we're talking to Meg McKenna from Visit Milwaukee. Meg, I saw today it was announced uh, how uh, small businesses can register to be vendors to support uh, the Republican convention when it comes to town. Yeah, they just um, they just turned on the lights on the portal, or what we call the portal. So businesses that are interested in being considered um, for, you know, whether they're a resource business to support the actual, you know, the build of a convention or the sourcing of printers and audiovisual and all that, or whether you're um, a venue site or food and beverage and whatever, you can go um, to that website and, um, and register uh, to be considered as a part of um, some of the suppliers and vendors that they're going to need to uh, pull off a wonderful convention. You mentioned, uh, I believe, printers. What are some of the other businesses that might find opportunities to apply uh, for this for these contracts? Well, I mean, definitely, you know, even things that you wouldn't think about, like there'll be, you know, construction aspects of it, um, and there'll be transport definitely transportation aspects of it. Um, so there are uh, many things that. Uh, lead and, and as we've talked about food and beverage, um, venues will be heavily utilized. Um, so we definitely urge anybody, um, who thinks that, uh, printers, um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so, uh, go on and register and you just never know, um, you know, whether or not that you'll be a source that's going to be necessary for the convention. Uh, that's a fantastic opportunity for so many small businesses. Um, so I applaud you folks for making people aware of 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 these opportunities. Um, any other high priorities or high profile projects that you, Visit Milwaukee is uh, working on uh, as the summer approaches? Yeah, you know it. Well, you know uh, the convention center is opening its expansion. It's going to be beautiful in 2024, and so our sales team has been actually uh, for a couple of years now. Um, they have been motivated to be out there seeking conventions that will that are larger now. Now that we have the space, 
Um, and so we've got some that we, we've got some exciting ones that, um, you know, will be revealed in due time when uh, ink is on paper and we're able to talk about them. Um, but I do know that we've got a, um, another, we've also got Northwestern Mutual every year. Um, so that's um, going to make our summers, especially with the RNC summer, very busy. Um, we've got the Harley Davidson homecoming is coming in with their 120th this year that will fill up the city next year we have a very prestigious um, convention called connect which is a connection of hundreds of meeting planners and the great thing about scoring that convention is that not only it gives us the opportunity to really show off the city and all of its splendor um, but the meeting planners then all have clients um, and so once we wind and dine them and shown them a great time and they've had their convention here in Milwaukee, um, there are other pieces of business that will come out of that um, because they had the opportunity to be here on the ground and really understand why Milwaukee is well suited for their other clients to bring them into. So we've got a lot of things in the pipeline. Um, and again, like there's some that will hopefully be announced uh, in uh, in in pretty pretty soon or you know next couple of months that will be exciting for people to learn about well thanks so much meg and uh it doesn't f- quite feel like summer yet but we know it's on its way and uh, keep fighting the good fight yeah thank you steve really appreciate having me on okay take care uh i want to thank our guest today uh, this is uh, i'm a newbie and uh this is my first go at this but uh our it doesn't happen without the great guests that we've had tonight. It's been an honor. And uh, you're listening to WTMJ Nights on 620 WTMJ.